Hello, this is Steve Goldsmith, Professor of Urban Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School, and you're listening to Data Smart City Pod, where we bring on top innovators and experts to discuss the future of cities and how to become data smart. Welcome, this is Steve Goldsmith. I'm a professor of urban policy at Harvard's Kennedy School. And today we have with us Andrew Salzberg, who's head of public policy at Transit and uh, formerly was director of transportation policy at Uber and a fellow at the Graduate School of Design at Harvard Kennedy School. Has some interesting observations about mobility as a service. Pleased to have him today. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tell us just before we get to the issue at hand a little bit what you did at Uber and what you do at Transit. And then I want to ask you about the recent report that you published. Sure. Yeah. So I've been in in transportation in some capacity for the last 15 odd years. And for a long time at Uber, I ran a team that tried to be the connection point between the world of transportation at large and Uber itself and try and build some bridges there, particularly to the sustainable transportation world. So helped to acquire a bike share company, start the first group working on electric vehicles at Uber, build a product that was sharing data with cities, all the kinds of things you would do if you were an urban planning graduate like me working at Uber. So I did that for several years. As you mentioned, I got to be a fellow for a year uh, at Harvard and coming out of that, been working with Transit uh, here in Montreal. And the big thing that Transit is fighting for, we could talk about uh, in the context of the report, is yes, we think there's a great potential future where more and more of our mobility is available digitally on demand. But I think we have to set up some rules of the game to make sure that happens in a way that actually serves people and consumers in cities and, and delivers the most value for that system. So that's kind of what we put out with the guide that you mentioned is this idea of building not just mobility as a service, which a lot of people are talking about, but open mobility as a service. You know, in a particular way, we can make these services more interoperable, more competitive. Andrew, in your paper, uh, Guide to Open Mobility as a Service, you recently wrote for Transit. I was interested in your analogy, if you will, to the difference between Facebook Messenger and email. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a nice way to think about this issue. Could you uh, explain to us what you meant by that? Sure, absolutely. So I think, you know, when we're thinking about the digital mobility future, it can be helpful to take analogies from other areas of tech. And one of the big ones, obviously, is communication. And so, you know, I think if you think about two different paths we might take in mobility, we can represent them in the communications world with Facebook Messenger and email. And so if I think about Facebook Messenger, I don't have any particular interest in using Facebook Messenger, but if I want to message my cousin who happens to only use Facebook Messenger, I have to actually download that app just to be able to communicate with her. That's really different than email, where you know I might email you at a Harvard email from my Gmail account, and those connect to each other so obviously that we don't even think about it. And if you happen to have a Yahoo account or some other new services, those all work together so seamlessly, and we take that so much for granted, we don't even really think about it. Uh, And that's all because email was built on a data standard that is now actually, I think, 50 years old as of this year that specifies how messages can be passed from one service to another. So there's all kinds of people who have built, you know, email software that you can use, but in the background, they all kind of communicate the same way. And I think that has a lot of potential benefits as a model for how we might want mobility to work, where all these different services, no matter how different they are, in the background can kind of communicate and pass you a ride or your transaction through each other without you thinking about it. And I would say, candidly, if I think about most of the money in technology and mobility is probably more inclined to build something that looks like Facebook Messenger, right? I think everybody has an incentive 
to sort of think of their app or their service as the center of it all and kind of get more and more people to use it through whatever way is possible. And that kind of email model where everyone works together and it all works seamlessly might not be in any particular company's interest, but I think it definitely is in the public interest. And that's kind of why we're promoting this as an idea. So if you think about open system mobility as a service, at yep. least to me, you could think about payment systems that work across modalities, or you can think mm-hmm. about information systems that collect real-time, usable, actionable data that is more easily consumed, right? The user experience is easier for the customer. So uh, let's go back to general transit need specifications, yeah. GTFS, and then talk yeah. to us a little about when you use open, whether you mean payment systems or, or information systems or more than that. Yeah, I think in the long run, we mean all of it. But why don't we start from the beginning, like you mentioned? I think, you know, I, I alluded earlier to the fact that email works the way it does because there's open data standards that are at the core of it. And so I think we want to build a similar system around mobility. And as you point out, with the pretty clunky acronym of GTFS, we actually have a really good one already. So for those who don't know, GTFS is the general transit feed specification. And it's basically a file format that transit agencies use to pass their information to trip planning apps, most prominently Google Maps, but also services like Transit and others that consume that data and then show it to you. So almost anywhere that you're probably looking for your bus schedule or planning a trip across town, in North America in particular, all that happens because transit agencies share this thing called GTFS, which lets you do that. And so the nice thing there is that we actually have a really good example. GTFS works quite well. It's really widely adopted. Lots of people consume it. Lots of people produce it. And so we don't have to start from zero when we think about you know email-like data standards and mobility. We can take what we've got with GTFS and start to expand it. And actually, we've already done that. So there's something called GBFS for bike share and scooters, which I know you've written about before, Stephen, that uh, you know takes that idea and extends it to bike and scooter share systems. So you can find your nearest bike or scooter. And we're currently working with mobility data to do the same kind of thing with a wide group of industry partners for taxi and ride hail and microtransit, kind of replicate that success. But as you point out, all of those things are about information, basically knowing where the vehicle is, knowing how long it might take to get across town. Those are really important things, but they're distinct from being able to actually book and pay for something. So there is, uh, I think, a slightly harder nut to crack around payment, but even there, we're seeing a good amount of progress. Uh, You know, we mostly focus on mobile ticketing, given that we're an app. And there are places like Denver, where the RTD has a software provider named Masabi, and they have the ability to book and pay for your ride in other apps. So in transit now, in Denver, you can buy a ticket without changing apps. And that same service through the Masabi ticketing partner actually works in Uber and Lyft right now. So there are multiple people consuming the ability to pay for tickets. There's no you know, one data standard for how that should be done, but there are companies that have APIs or other tools to let you integrate their app. So I think payment is a little harder and a little further down the road, but it's happening. And there are companies right now that are actually building in a way that lets all kinds of services have access to the ability to pay for a transit ride. On our uh, site, Data Smart City Solutions, and on the podcast, we have uh, you know predominantly public agency audiences, not, yep. not consumer advocates. So what would your guidance be to public agencies about how to stimulate a more open system? Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of what we try and write about in the guide. And I think there actually are some really, really concrete things that people can do. 
So one of the most obvious is in procurement. So a lot of public agencies, I'm thinking about transit agencies, maybe first and foremost, are actually paying some of these new mobility services to operate service on their behalf. So during the COVID pandemic, we saw a lot of transit agencies implement new on-demand services. You might call them microtransit. People have different names for them. And in that context, if you're paying one of these vendors to provide service, there's a really easy opportunity to say, in addition to running a shuttle for us, can you also make that data available to trip planning apps like Transit and Google and others so that they can be integrated into these open mobility as a service systems? So throughout the whole guide to open mobility as a service, which is available on the web, you know, we have very specific guidance and recommendations for what different agencies can do. So in the transit case, certainly around microtransit, there's an opportunity to ask for more openness from your vendors. And we actually have specific examples of RFPs that have been put out by transit agencies in North America that has language that other people can copy, right? If it was up to me, uh, it's always easier to copy somebody else's good work rather than create it yourself. So in the microtransit space, there's some pretty obvious guidance. If you are a city DOT, and you're putting out a bike share RFP, you can make sure that you're asking for not just GBFS, but maybe also encouraging your vendors to be able to uh, actually do third-party payment for bike and scooter share. Uh, if you're regulating taxi and ride hail, you can start to think about how do you open up more data for consumers as well. So what I think is interesting is that obviously there's no you know Chicago Department of Mobility as a service or any other city in North America. What we actually have is for each of the modes of transportation that have existed for a long time, you have the regulatory or procurement power to actually push some of these uh, technologies to be more open. So that's that's where I think there's some really short-term opportunities for data standards that already exist or ideas that are already out there. For some of the things that are a little newer, like I mentioned, a data standard for taxi and ride hail data, you know, there's an opportunity to get involved in some of those working groups, like I mentioned, at mobility data and kind of push the frontiers. But I think even without that, there's a lot of stuff that's available right now today and I would say across all these dimensions, someone else has already done the best version of what you want to do. And so there's an opportunity to copy other people and learn uh, you know, by, by finding what's already out there. Uh, that's helpful. Let me switch in the few minutes we have left. So I recently wrote an article about Austin that had a parking app and uh, they moved to facilitate visitors or residents paying with multiple apps, right? In-dash apps, Google, eventually right. Apple, like. So there would be multiple customer choices that would use APIs to communicate with the city. So put yourself in the position of a city official or a transit agency official trying to harvest the data from multiple choices, multiple mm -hmm. options in order to manage transit or manage the curb or manage yeah. the scooters. How does that platform look in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it, it may not necessarily be that just because there are more consumer channels that it makes your life as an agency more complicated. So just to go back, I mentioned earlier that in the Denver case, the transit agency has a you know contract with their vendor to do mobile ticketing, that's Masabi in this case. And then multiple parties can consume Masabi's uh, SDK in this case, but basically similar to an API to be able to buy a ticket. So it can happen in transit, it can happen in Uber, and it can happen in Lyft. I think ultimately that vendor that you have can be the point of contact for others in the space as one example. And then maybe whatever data you're already getting through your contract can actually be aggregated in the same way. You know, I don't know the specifics in that example, but I would say suffice to say that just because the world gets more complicated and there may be more channels for people to consume the service, it could still be the case that the person you have the relationship with can help manage that data and provide it to you. So um, 
that's one part. I would say the other piece is that there, you know, some of the stuff that we're talking about right now is primarily, you know, consumer facing sort of real time information that lets you book and pay for a ride. It's actually a lot different in some ways than some of the more, uh, you know, some of the conversations we've had around data, which is primarily about what data the operators give the regulator. You know, that's the, that's the conversations about the mobility data standard from LA. There's been lots in the weeds about how do we get data from operators directly to cities? I think that's an important question, but in some ways it's a bit different than the question of how do we get data from the operators to the consumers, which is more what our report is talking about. How do we actually have more consumer access to data, even as we're making sure that cities have the data they need to make decisions? So as we close, list a couple of the most important benefits if we more broadly move to the model that you're advocating. Yeah, definitely. So I think that first and foremost for me is ultimately transparency and competition. So I think there's there's a real benefit uh, in email that it's actually relatively easy for you as a consumer to switch email services if you want. You can download your messages, you can move somewhere else, and you can keep communicating with the same people. I think that helps to keep the vendors in that space honest. And I think we'd get the same benefits if we make it easier to make it interoperable and to find your service wherever you like to keep all those players in the mobility space competitive with each other and ultimately delivering consumer benefit. But that's just one. I think when I think about a lot of sustainability and how do we make sure that as we build new mobility systems, we're not just having duplication of service and competition, but increasingly having people use those services alongside each other. And that's where I think this email idea and the easy transfers and the seamless discovery of trips, all of that helps us to actually make a more sustainable system where you can transfer from one boat to the other, and do things in the way that's most efficient. And I would say, you know, last but not least, I have a, a belief in the long run that if we can actually make payment and discovery simpler, we can start to do things like actually make more equitable service. So one of the things you find right now is that if you want to qualify for say low income benefits for cheaper bike share systems, you might have to actually go and prove with a hard copy that you qualify for EBT or some other benefit to be able to get that. And you might have to do that for each operator that you want to get your benefit from. And I would love in a future where there's a more open approach to mobility as a service, I think there's an opportunity to layer into that things like tokens that prove your eligibility for a certain benefit across operators. So you don't have to go and kind of revisit that question everywhere you go. So mm -hmm. I think the things like equity, sustainability, competition that are core concerns in transportation, all of those can be helped by moving to a more open version of mobility as a service. Uh, so this is Steve Goldsmith interviewing Andrew Salzberg, head of policy for transit and uh, an advocate of an open system will benefit both uh, customer and the agencies as well. So thank you very much for your time. And thanks again, Andrew. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Bye. like this podcast, please visit us at datasmartcities.org or follow us at datasmartcities on Twitter. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Betsy Gardner and hosted by me, Steve Goldsmith. We're proud to serve as a central resource for cities interested in the intersection of government, data, and innovation. Thanks for listening.